Classic Harrison Price for Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. Coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee, and that's here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're visiting Vancouver, we suggest the Western Wall Center YVR. Plush, heavenly beds for that rest and relaxation. Matt here alongside Blake Price, Grace Sassett, and Switches. Conducting things in this show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group, where at Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Richmond, we can get you into the 23 Centra starting at $83 weekly, the 23 Kicks at $65 weekly, and the 23 Cash Guy at 76 weekly because, Blake, it's all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. We're asking you, is JT Miller one of your favorite Canucks? Yes or no, you can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. I want two cracks at the St. Jude Classic, the first PGA uh-huh. playoff tour, uh, PGA Tour playoff event here starting tomorrow. There are four players on tour who are top 10 in strokes gained approach and strokes gained T to green. Rom, McElroy, Scheffler, of course, the big three, and Colin Morikawa. Do you know Colin Morikawa has not won a tournament since he won the Open Championship? Really? A couple of years. Mm-hmm. He is due. And in a smaller field, I like his chances and his value. 20 to 1 on your Bodog line of the day. So. So. Hope everybody had a good BC day long weekend. Thanks to J-Pat for sitting in for me yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good weekend. Uh, Did you get up to anything fun? Um, I don't even remember the weekend. Ah, okay. Yeah. We got to be- We got to the beach. We got to Locarno Beach. That's good. A little barbecue with friends. Mm-hmm. We uh, got some errands done. I know that sounds very boring for a long weekend, but that's kind of what was presented to us. Yeah, I had a very chill weekend. That's right. It's coming coming into past. But this weekend, I'm going away to a lake. But no, ah, this, this okay. one was a chill one. I worked on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Grady was in a Soyuz. Poor Soyuz. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're getting some moisture right now. Yeah. So that's good. Much needed, although... I'm looking at sort of the grass medians around Kits, and I imagine it's even worse down by the beach. It is such hard pen. Oh, yeah. Just like matted grass. Straw. That the water, I don't even think, was taking hold. I think it was just sort of pooling up on the top. That's the danger when you go this long is it just mm-hmm. it floods. But I, it started so slowly, this rain, I get, I'm hoping it sinks in. Mm-hmm. Answering the poll question, no, he's not one of my favorite Canucks. And I don't think I'm one of his favorite media people. <laughs> uh, but he's a good player. He's a darn good player. He has rejuvenated and validated his career and high draft standing here in Vancouver and has talked about it candidly, and I applaud him for it, that he needed a wake-up call that a getting to a third organization and being traded away from what was, maybe still is, the best organization in hockey, Tampa, Mm -hmm. coming off a 13-goal year where he was mighty disappointing after coming over from the Rangers trade where A.V. kicked his butt and basically told him, you got to work harder. Um, 
but he has been marvelous for the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, a point-per-game player here. It was a very risky trade at the time Jim Benning made it, and it's worked out so far. Now, he's entering into this long contract, which pays him an awful lot of money, and into, what, his age 37? Yeah, finishes it Mm -hmm. just as he's turning to 37. So I have my doubts that he's this that the contract's going to age well. Frankly, I have my doubts that he's going to see the end of that contract in Vancouver. I know he's got a full no-move clause, but I would suspect that at some point he will want out. And in part because of what he said on this Cam, um, Cam and Strick podcast. This is a unique mar- market. The people know hockey. They're deeply invested They're deeply passionate, and the franchise has failed them for a half century. So what manifests is a very thirsty fan base and a very skeptical media. But what JT... And I do wonder whether his personality will be able to withstand that, particularly if things don't go well from here, Blake, because now they have the alignment, right? Now they think they're better. They've got a coach who's going to play a more disciplined style, so... Like, if it doesn't work out from here, someone like Miller, who's been through all the shit of the last few years, like total gong shows. Uh, well, yeah. well what, what JT said was also that the negativity, the passion for the negativity will eventually turn to positivity when the team starts to win. And he he's, he said it. I hope he lives by it. I hope he understands that. That, you know, the longer the losing happens... Yeah. The more that that is going to happen, and and uh, he is but a man, he is just one player. But, but he has agency. Unlike yes. fans and media, yeah. he has agency. So he has agency to a degree, mm-hmm. and um, and also you just have to be able to understand it. Even if even if you've done your part, even if he puts up an eighty six mm-hmm. point year and is is pretty darn good, you still have to have your part taken care of, right? And so he's got to take a take care of his part. And with the possible rise of the salary cap here as well, at $8 million per, that you know, in year three of this contract, if he's still putting up points, it actually might be a bit of a value contract. Not by a lot, but by a little. And to his point that, you know, he has too much pride to, as he put it, kiss the media's ass, I'd rather stir the pot. I appreciate the honesty there. I think it's clear he wants to stir the pot. Sometimes there are those with the Canucks that wish he wouldn't stir the pot. But the other thing, and I understand Jeff brought it up yesterday, so won't spend much time on it, but, you know, that he has a pause before answering the question of who are you tight with on the team and then names Tyler Myers and guys who aren't here, that he lives in West Vancouver and has sort of separated himself from the community and the group I think says a lot about JT Miller. And I think what it says is this is your modern day mercenary pro athlete. Like he is here in Vancouver because that's the team that he was assigned to. And that's who could spend the most money on him. And so he's going to play out his days here uh, until things, you know, until circumstances change. Uh, I mean, even in the early voting of this poll question, Blake, it's very polarizing. It's about 50-50 on JT Miller. What I do, what I will say, and I said this oftentimes about Kessler, is I do want somebody in the room that overtly cares and that 
is willing to get emotional about the care level wins and losses. To me, the thing that separates the two is that effort was never an issue with Ryan Kessler. It has occasionally been an issue with JT Miller. Well, he was tired. <laughs> One-way player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think circumstances create one-way players sometimes too, right? And, and that was clearly the circumstance yeah. last year. But you had a lot of Canucks in the Boudreaux era that were going to get their points and not necessarily caring about the back end because, frankly, there wasn't a lot of accountability well, for the defense. The lack of accountability can be one of the circumstances. The other circumstance can be the realization this is not a winning team, that no matter what we do, over the long haul, we're not winning. We're not making the playoffs. So I might as well go and get mine, you know, um, yep. and yep. your results be damned because we're not going to be there in the end and, anyway. And I mean, the other thing, I think, you know, in terms of... And that, it's not conscious all the time. We should say that. A lot of the time that, that sort of preys on you subconsciously, mm-hmm. but it's there. And, you know, with regards to that, you're damn right that JT Miller and his agent wanted to negotiate off that 99-point season, mm-hmm. right? True. They knew. Mm-hmm. And JT even mentioned it too, like Talkit shortened his leash, kind of yes. alphaed him in a sense, yeah. and yeah. that's what he needed. <laughs> to he a degree, needed the guidance. Yes. Uh, I know you kicked this around yesterday as well. The Matt Dumba signing with Arizona, the one-year three point nine million deal, and I know a lot of people think all oh, that deal would not have been available for the Canucks on July first, and probably not. I'm sure Dumba was looking to do better than that. What I what I will say is that that's one of the reasons why you wait. As we talk about every year on July 1st, there will be some bargains later in the summer. The Vancouver Canucks franchise has not had the discipline to hold that cap space and not immediately spend it. There's been several managers who haven't had that But this team needed discipline. guarantees. They, 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 like It's one or two guys that last mm-hmm. late. It, like, well, it, there's more. There's still more. But, but in the positions of need, it'll you know, be it'll be one or two guys, and there's 32 teams looking at that guy. Oh, so the, the like, you can't keeping up on with it. the Joneses and the inflationary effect is absolutely real. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Um, I, I guess what I would say is, in terms of defensemen that are out there now where we're out there with Dumba as well. How much worse are you with him or with them than with Carson Soucy at three years? Sorry, comparing who to who? Comparing who well, to Susie? Either Dumba to Susie and different profiles of players, and clearly Susie is a better profile fit for the Vancouver Canucks and their penalty killing and defensive woes right now. But you had to commit three years to get that player. Right. And for a team like the Vancouver Canucks, the reason that I voted for uh, Dumbo over over the Susie is I just don't want to commit term, given where the team is at in its evolution, that it's just hoping to be a playoff team as opposed to a contender, and particularly to a player that you're now asking to play up your lineup based on where he was slotted in Seattle. Right. But that was a bird that was the bird that was in the hand. And mm-hmm. and when you're talking about such slim pickings later in the summer for a team that needed to get better. I mean mm-hmm. the, the orders are coming from on top. You need to be better next year. 
they needed to ensure they had something to lean on rather than hope um, that they could get Dumba anywhere close to this price. I'm sure Dumba was thinking something that begins with a five. Oh, and I think he was probably thinking term two. I think he's this year's yeah. John Klingberg. Yeah. So, and in fact, two years in a row now, the offensive right shot defenseman has overplayed the hand in free agency. Like, when you get down to the slim pickings, you could have the best deal and the player could still choose to go to a certain place because of X, Y, and Z. Also fair. So you you, you have to take that out of the equation and, and just take care of yourself. But to Dolly Wall's point yesterday that there are agents representing players out there and third-line centers in particular that are sort of waiting for the Vancouver Canucks to create cap space or waiting for the I'm Canucks sure. and other teams to create cap space. Well, we'll see if the Canucks are done in the free agent market. Of course, that cap space domino has to drop first, and it's only complicated by the good health of Tanner Pearson. One last thing on JT Miller. It just slipped uh, slipped for a second. I am putting almost no stock into him asking to wear number 10. I don't necessarily feel like NHL players should know the fleet of retired numbers of every franchise out there. What I will say is, you know, you would hope that more guys, when they get traded, look at the team that they're going to and understand a few things about the franchise. But clearly he hadn't arrived at that point when he honestly, I I think think it's the onus is on the player. The onus is on the player. No, it's not. No, it's not. The, the player just goes, I wear number 10. I wear number I wear 10. Bottom. I'd like to wear number 10. And then the, then it's on the team to say, yeah. sorry, I'm not available. Yeah. That's retired. Yeah. So no, that's in the rafters. And and hopefully they would get background just so the player's not like not feeling um, <laughs> shrugged off. But um, yeah, that's not on the player. BC Lions back home Saturday against the Calgary Stampeders. They're calling it best in the West night. Wally Buono and the Water Boys will be inducted in the Lions Wall of Fame. We will talk to Wally tomorrow. Looking forward to that. They will have a display with more than $2 million of championship rings to take a look at. There's a The Grey Cup will be at the backyard party. It's pure later tackle hunger night. So bring your canned and non-perishables. And, Blake, as we discussed following the blowout loss in Winnipeg last week, suddenly this Lions game and this Lions season, coupled with that Calgary win over Toronto, has taken a different course. You win in Winnipeg and you're pretty much on easy street to a home playoff game, if not the entirety, uh, uh, if not the West Final. Yeah. Now you're second place. You trail Winnipeg on tiebreaker, and Calgary's three and five. And if Calgary gets a win here, now you're in that group. With there's no separation. You're in that fight with Saskatchewan and Calgary to finish. Well, hopefully, no worse than second for that home playoff game. So this is suddenly a big game for the Lions against a team that played terrific defense last week and beating the previously unbeaten Argonauts. Yeah, it's. Uh... I said yesterday, this one sort of sets up the rest of the season as 
Winnipeg versus BC. Yep. You know, or much to sort out in the West. Right. And yes. Look, Winnipeg's in Edmonton tomorrow. That's guaranteed win night. Totally. So they'll be 7 and 2, one would think. Yeah. Incidentally, nice touch by the Leos to honor Wally when the uh, Stampeders are visiting, needless to say. The other franchise where he had an outsized effect. I got to say, Blake, the continuance of the messy effect on MLS has been quite something here oh, and yeah. has played out almost as perfectly as Don Garber or anyone in MLS could have plotted. Did you watch the weekend match versus no. Dallas? No. Like, but uh, that extraordinary. he's scoring extraordinary goals, being such a performer on the pitch, not to mention the effect that he's having on business and marketing off the pitch. And now, Blake, the notion that Neymar may come over and that Don Garber on Francis Mbappe Quote, Mbappe wants to come into the league and a team in our MLS wants to do something unique. MLS is ambitious and innovative and who knows what kind of structure we'll come up with. Like, could Neymar and Mbappe be playing here? Uh, I think it's a 1% chance. It's a 1% chance, I think. But I would say this. I think what, what these stars might be looking at is, my God, does Messi look like he's having fun. Mm-hmm. Like on a night-per-night basis... He can orchestrate magic. Yep. And it's a lot harder when you're playing against 11 world-class individuals. Mm-hmm. If you're playing against one to two per per match, you're going to be able to assert your will a lot easier. Um, so, yeah, I think they look at – I think they think Messi looks like he's having fun, and they're like, that looks kind of oh, good. I think he, they, they also look at the, the deal that he got here. Yep. including equity in the franchise. And a new world order, like a, like a new well, place to live that you never lived before and, and, and all that stuff, right? And Blake, you know, global football may be one of the few bastions where this isn't most pronounced. But the fact remains is that, you know, until you make it in the United States, you really make it? You know, the old line about New York City? You make it here, you make it anywhere? The United States has become a bigger player in global football. Not necessarily throwing money around like the Saudis these days, or maybe as the Chinese did some years ago. But the United States is finally getting serious about this sport. And I think it's got the attention of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah, I think so too. To live in Miami, to live in LA, to live in New York City, and be a star there i would think that's pretty attractive but i also think to guys who already know that they're stars in paris and london and every other big city in europe messi did if not the say world. he was looking forward to a normal life though like i, I like i wonder if little messi goes to a restaurant in maui or maui in miami maui on the brain Ma- today, maui on the brain today yes yeah. um so I, I wonder if he feels like you know and these stars feel like could I have a dinner in Soho and no one would recognize me? Like, is that possible? I think it is possible. I think they're sure going to get recognized, but just not at the furious rate that they would in Europe. Remember when we had that dinner in Soho, the Italian joint with, uh, what's her name, Juliet, um, redhead actress? Yes. Yeah. One table over? Yeah. 
Fabulous actor, yeah. yeah. And, and she, you know, she blended in. Julianne Moore. Julianne Moore. Mm. She blended in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had a quiet, no one approached her table. No. 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 We know because we were one table over yeah. and debating whether we should approach her and decide, <laughs> you know what? No, this isn't the type. My answer is always This isn't the time right. or play. Well, my answer is usually no, but, you know, sometimes you have people at the table who want to brush shoulders. If you're both, if you're, my, my, my thoughts on that is if it's somebody that you just, you really would like, if you're both in motion, like I, I said hi to Robin Williams once on Robson. We're both mm-hmm. in motion. Both of us can get away. Right. No, that's the key. It's got to be brief. Yeah. And... If it's got a little bit of a humor or just something to put a smile on their face as a drive-by. Yeah. But they at a table, there's no exit plan for the, for the no, star. It's not fair. No, exactly. Yeah. They're trapped. Yeah. It's entrapment. Yeah. Back to Messi for a second. Blake, did you worry at all when he came over that it was going to be too easy and he was going to make a mockery of the league? Or is it just the whole marketing factor is just too strong here? And I don't he's think just- it matters. No, that's my point. I don't like, think it really matters. Um, mm-hmm. I, it, he's going to force him to be better, Grady, as we talked about at center back. That has not been a place where MLS teams have spent. That's not where you want to put a DP-sized contract. And uh, if he's making them look bad, well, guess what? It's up to you to improve the play at center back. Well, and Busquets and Messi aren't going to be the first ones back to help on D either. So, like, they're going to give up some goals. Um, they were down by two twice to Dallas. And came back. So um, I do think League's Cup is not the pinnacle of the intensity from the MLS Cups. I would agree with Now, that. it's going to ramp up now, now that we're in elimination rounds. From here on in, and really from the last round in, you can sense people want it. So I think we're going to get a better taste of it. But come the MLS regular season, um, where the points matter, I, I think it's going to be pretty intense. Another game for Milos. He wins... Straight sets. In Toronto, it's straight sets. I mean, it was 6-4, 6-3. Yeah. He plays world number 59 American Mackenzie McDonald tomorrow. So a, a decent ranking, but not a brand name mm-hmm. player. Tara Daniels won 12 right now, I believe. I was on the golf course with someone yesterday who mentioned, you know, if he goes no further... At least he had that moment beating right. Tiafo oh. at center court at home and mm-hmm. at the uh, NBA uh, NBO Open. God, that name of this tournament has changed so mm-hmm. much over the years. Um, but now you're starting to wonder: Could he do something really special? And how much does something special cement his final decision? Oh. You could either say, "Hey, if he does something real special, makes it to the semis or even the final." Does that mean cherry on top walking away on a high? Or, shit, I can still play this game. Yeah, it, great call. I mean, there's a ton of money available, so I would yeah. think that uh, he would still play. I, I was absolutely gobsmacked by, in his first appearance in five years, but when you think about it, between the pandemic and his injuries, but five years is such a long period of time in a tennis career, for heaven's sakes. Uh, so good on Milos for winning and taking all the plaudits of all the Canadian tennis fans back home. Speaking yep. of Canada, mm-hmm. Canada yeah, just the lost basketball team, yeah, to Germany. Yeah, now it's pre-tur- an exhibition game, pre-tournament game, first of five. Uh, I don't know how they handled it from a 
rotation point of view. Exactly. Like, I think part and parcel of what you're hoping to achieve in these exhibition games is who fits with whom. And we've had the conversation, and look, Jamal Murray is not there right now. Do you really want Murray and Barrett on the floor at the same time? Neither is a particularly great outside shooter. Both want the ball uh, to be able to to uh, explore and and score and develop their own offensive game. So I would bet that these sorts of calculations, you know, are happening. Like, do Powell and Olenek fit as two bigs on the floor? Do you want a smaller lineup? Is it going to be opponent dependent? How and where do you spot Zach Eady? I think they were down by 16 or 14. Yeah, yeah they battled the first quarter. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm not getting too fussy. No, and it's game one. It's game one. What, what, what I do worry about is I don't think Jamal Murray will wind up joining the team. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think we've he seen will. this think scenario before. Uh, I think that he didn't get on the plane to Germany. Is telltale. I think. The Denver Nuggets probably believe they have a pretty good chance of repeating as NBA champions, as does Jamal Murray. I think it's a lot of basketball for a guy who did do his ACL a couple years back. Uh, I'm I'm starting to believe that he is not going to be a member of this team when it's all said. I enough. think he gets airdropped in for the final preseason game or, or, or pre-tournament, pre-tournament yeah. game or doesn't play any of the pre-tournament games and just gets dropped into the tournament. Fantastic night at Nat Bailey Stadium last night. Keke Rios, a walk-off home run in the 11th. Seas complete a comeback and beat Tri-City on John Gibbons' night at the ballpark, which brings us to today's menu. It's brought to you by De Dutch, to breakfast, to brunch, to lunch. Get it all at De Dutch. We will talk with Frank Corrado, our Wednesday regular here. We talk about JT Miller media playing in media markets like Vancouver and Toronto. We talk about the R. Carlson trade as well. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. And then Gibby from Andy Dunn's office. Full disclosure, we recorded the interview yesterday, but have a terrific chat with the ex-Blue Jays manager talking about you know going down to Seattle as a Blue Jay and being a rock star, he played in Vancouver many, many moons ago when it was a AAA destination. He, he sounded really stressed about- <laughs> out. He sounded really stressed out. Yeah, He tells us about the playoff teams that he oversaw, including Jose Bautista and the bat flip. And, of course, of course Bautista is being um, honored at Rogers Center next week. So a fantastic conversation with uh, one of the great characters of Canadian sport in this century, John Gibbons. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway. Means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog Neighborhood or Workshop Spirit. 
Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Not sure which is deserving of more applause. The creativity of the three general managers in the Eric Carlson deal? Or Penn's GM Kyle Dubas for cleaning up the mess he inherited in such short order? All I know, if I'm a Leafs fan, I'm wondering about the guy they let get away. Because that's a fantastic trade for Pittsburgh. You're getting the reigning Norris Trophy winner, a serviceable fourth liner in Rem Pitlick, and a third-round pick for a top-10 protected first-rounder, a second, a stalling prospect, plus you're shedding bad money? This is a grand slam for Kyle Dubas. The Penguins got Carlson and got cheaper in one fell swoop. They give Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang one last chance at glory. And they got rid of some contracts, Jeff Petrie, Casey DeSmith, Ian Ruta, that would have been costly to move. As Cap Friendly put it, despite trading a 100-point right D and retaining $6 million in cap hit and $5 million in salary over the next four years, the Sharks receive a single first-round pick in draft compensation. Based on past trades, retaining $5 million in salary as a cap dump alone would have been valued at a first-round pick. Clearly, Mike Greer's hands were tied in San Jose, and he waited too long to make this deal. That said, Carlson's $11.5 million contract was always going to be difficult to trade, and that's where the complexity and creativity of this deal deserves praise, too. Nice architecture from Dubas and decent return for the Montreal Canadiens. You pick up a second rounder and some veterans to ease the rebuild for being a broker. It's the type of trade the Vancouver Canucks should have been making during the last decade. Instead, we're left to recriminate the Oliver ekman larsen louis Erickson deal, what it cost in terms of two high draft picks, and how bad money wasn't shed but compiled given the OEL buyout and the Connor Garland extension. Another reminder that some GMs out there are playing chess while the Canucks have too often played checkers. That's welcome at for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email live at Scarsonprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. The Great Clips inbox. More on them in a second. Twitter at Matt Sakaris at Sakarison Price. And the welcome at a presentation of Great Clips. Download the online check-in app or visit greatclips.com. 37 salons here in Vancouver and the lower mainland, all proudly Canadian-owned and operated. So Garrison Price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Kia wants you to join the electric revolution. Why wouldn't you? When you look at the prices right now on the fabulous Kia Nero, you can get in at $44.9. Yes, say goodbye to the pumps for $44.9. And at 6.49% financing for up to 84 months, you can definitely do this. Load it for $52.9. Go to Applewood Kia right now. Take one for a test drive. Bodog poll question. Is JT Miller one of your favorite Canucks? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakurson Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. I told you I wanted two cracks at this weekend's St. Jude Classic. Classic. Patrick Cantlay, 
Playoff Patty. He's the fourth choice at 16 to 1 on your Bodog line of the day. Here he is, former Vancouver Canuck TSN hockey analyst, Mr. Frank Corrado. How you doing, Frankie? I'm good. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Um, GT Miller did a podcast yesterday. He had plenty to say, as he often does. Uh, one of the things he had to say had to do with the the media here in Vancouver. The big, bad Vancouver media. God, why did we get such a... Why are we such boogeymen to you NHL players? Like, what is it about this market? Just to be clear, market? Frank, you're on our show, so you are now included in the big, bad Vancouver oh, media. Oh, is he? I, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. I am, I am part of the big, bad media. I actually had a tweet not too long ago. It was when Sebastian Ajo signed his extension, and I tweeted something about Elias Pettersson, like licking his chops over that something along right. those lines mm-hmm. and i i like second guessed it i'm like do i really want to dive into canuck's <laughs> twitter because i know what canuck's twitter is like and if i go into this like i need to fully expect what can come out of it and it's it's canuck's twitter for the longest time has been like this very polarizing place you know even going back to the gillis days when there was the fire gillis chance like all that stuff kind of starts really with with social media and gaining some traction that way and then it was like the benning bros versus you know the people that were anti benning and the people that were the benning bros would just defend him at every possible opportunity they could and i could never understand it and and the bar for the team just just fell so low and low um and and there were still like the people that remembered what it was like to be a canucks fan you know prior to 2014 2015 and like wait a second there there was a way of doing things here that is not being done right now anyways i'm getting like i'm getting off track but like canucks twitter is very polarizing as a place uh the vancouver market you know, like there's a lot of microphones in your face every single day. You have to answer to it. There's been players throughout the years that have done a tremendous job of answering, whether it's been the Twins or Roberto Luongo, Kevin Bieksa. Like there's been a lot of uh, really smart people who, who have who have had to answer those questions every single day. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of it stems from the fan support. Like there's there's a lot of support. And with a lot of support, usually comes expectations, right? So there's expectations from the fans, expectations from the media. And it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's the only show in town because you do have the BC Lions and you do have the Whitecaps, but it's the biggest show in town for sure. So all lies are on you all the time. I thought it was funny well, because he tried to explain some of his hot-headedness to JT Miller. Like, oh, when I was yelling about the Colin Delia thing about not coming out, I was I was just saying, like, where's our plan? And, like... He didn't really explain it any more than we already knew. I think everybody probably listening were like, look, "Yeah, we know what you were doing there." Like, look, he's an impulsive, fiery guy, yeah. and, a, and, yeah. a, and and when the switch flips on the ice, he does and says things that I think he otherwise would look at and go, "That's probably not something I should be doing." To be, he just narrated saying. what we already knew. Yeah, but have you have you played with a, a, a like, a, and it has to be a star because it's one thing to be a hot headed fourth liner because you know, but everybody can shrug off the fourth liner. Have you played with sort of a hot-headed star? Do you do you recall in your career, whether it was even a junior or something, where you kind of like he's a big part of it, but you kind of, you know, you had to be careful, or you knew that he you're going to have to look after something that he had done or something like that. You know what? No one comes to mind off the top of my head where I was like that guy was hot-headed and it was like 
you, you know, it could be uh, volatile. Had to at be times. managed. You wanna, yeah. 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 They, no one comes to mind like that. But there are instances where guys can run hot and it's understandable. And we're all adults and we're all grownups and we all know what the expectations are every single day. It's going to happen. Like for me personally, that kind of stuff always made me uncomfortable. Like I never wanted to see two teammates kind of going at it on the bench or the locker room in practice. I don't know. Something about my personality, I didn't love seeing it. But there, there's something to be said, like, it's the NHL. It's the best league in the world. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. There's going to be a little bit of back and forth. Everyone's competitive, and especially when things aren't going well, right? Like, I think JT kind of outlined the fact that, you know, Travis had been fired. You know, they had a great start with Bruce and his tenure there, and then things really tailed off. And, um, you know, I think – Certain players carry a little more of that weight than other players, uh, especially when a lot is expected of you. And JT Miller would be one of those guys where, where a lot is expected of him. And I would say this, like some players probably hold themselves in a very high regard, meaning like they expect a lot out of themselves. And they, they might even expect too much out of themselves and so maybe that trickles in around the group where it's like, okay, I hold myself to this standard, I think. And so now as a byproduct of that, I'm going to hold you to a higher standard. I would imagine if he could have a do-over on some of those that, that happened, especially the ones where, you know, we saw it on Saturday night where it's like not back checking and, and super casual and losing your mind for kind of like, you know, that stuff that maybe you did that you think other people did, like, you know, you, you probably want a, a gimme on some of those, but I can, I can understand from a player's point of view, like, like running hot and it's not, it's not always going to be easy, especially when the team has certain expectations and you're the guy that, you know, is expected to be uh, parallel to those expectations. You heard his explanation for the lack of back check. He was tired. The, he was the, tired. The, the lack of back check. He was yeah. tired. He was tired. Well, he said, no, I was tired. But that's good honesty. Like, that's honestly what. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it looked like. Uh, you know, if you had more energy, I'm sure he would have back checked. Yeah. He was. Yeah. He was tired. Well, I'm. I'm glad you've branded Frankie as part of the Vancouver media here, because if there's <laughs> one thing Canucks Twitter hates more than the big bad Vancouver media getting as on an the Canucks, outsider, yes, it's the soft on the Leafs yeah. Toronto media. Yeah. yeah. Uh, blasting on the Canucks. Let me ask you this. You played here and in Toronto. I, I would argue, along with Montreal, the three most intense media markets. Is it really that different, Frank? No. No, it's not that much different, to be honest with you. Vancouver's right there with Toronto. I would even say this. like At times, there was more vitriol, if you want to call it that, in the Vancouver market than there was in Toronto. And is that, and, be, it, it, but here's the thing though, is that because they've been to a cup final in the last 50 years? And I don't mean to be smart with that. I, I mean that like the Vancouver has come close. Toronto has to accept any level of success because they haven't come close. You know what? You're not far off there because it, it does have to do with where the teams have been in, in, in more recent years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the other thing with Toronto, like when I was playing for Toronto, we didn't have expectations of being a good team. We were just, you know, we were bottoming out. And the second year I was there, we were kind of like on the way up this, you know, nice, pleasant surprise of a team. Things were pretty good there. You could still feel it, though. You could just feel it on a Saturday when you roll into the arena, finish morning skate, and there's 20 microphones in your face, and people are asking you questions. And for me, it was more, you know, about not playing. And I had to be so careful about how I answered because 
all you need to do, as you know, is just give one line of something that can, you know, be a jumping off point and everyone uses it. It's a springboard for the athletic TSN, you know, the, the other company, like there's, you know, everyone's using that same thing. And it, it was very similar in Vancouver. I just think like, you know, people, it, there's nothing wrong with how did the game go? What did you see there? That's analysis, mm-hmm. right? Where I didn't love it as a player was like the hot take, you know, I got to be super edgy and controversial and maybe a lot of people like this player, but I'm going to be the guy that doesn't because it's part of my brand as a persona, as an on-air media type. And I'm going to tweet about it all the time. And like, I actually think at one point, um, I definitely shut off like notifications on my Twitter. So if you tag me in anything, I wouldn't see it. I'm pretty sure like I tried to like mute my name. So like if, if, if anything came up, I'm like, I wouldn't see tweets with my name involved. Like I, I did a lot of that stuff, uh, but you just see it. You just end up seeing it. And a lot of people say like, don't go searching for it. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I was either on my explore page on Instagram or on the search page on, on Twitter. And it's like, stuff is just there and no matter how hard you try it's always going to come up and guys are going to see it and it's it's very difficult to you know to to deal with that especially when things aren't going well for you let me ask you this do do players sit around talking about the media or unfair treatment from the media and and do you know of any player who you think struggled because of media and fan expectations or coverage I, I don't remember ever sitting around the room or the plane or the bus or dinner and, and us having conversations about the media. It would be like anything else other than media stuff, right? Like, it's just the way it is. Like, we're, we we have other interests. Like, you know, players are, are more than just hockey players. So we're going to talk about golf or we're going to talk about personal lives or uh, you know, like restaurants, a- anything, right? So I-, I don't remember anyone sitting around and saying like the media is really carving me, and I can't, you know, I can't get ahead of it, and it, you know, it's really weighing on me. It was just something that, like, okay, that happens in the moment. You maybe you see something and you move on, and that's it. You know, there, there. I think at times there has been like you know tongue in cheek comments around the room with guys where it's like. Oh man, wait till they get a hold of that, or right. you know, like yes. s- yeah. something like that. But never an in-depth conversation about what the media has been saying about guys. People always thought that Phil Kessel was, you know, burdened by that. Phil Kessel, as we learned from the whole palette of his career, is Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel was Phil Kessel when he was in Toronto. Hey think- Phil, how was your summer? <laughs> ah, you know, same old shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, I heard a story about Phil actually. Um, this would have been just before I got to Toronto, and. I don't know if he was training with Gary Roberts or he was training with, with the leaf guys, but the rumor has it that they were doing like sled drags that day. And Phil had like just showed up to the gym recently and everyone had been there a little longer. um, And they were doing these sled drags and Phil on the very first rep absolutely blew away the competition, like dusted everybody. And he had just showed up to the gym and guys were like looking around like, wow, that was very, very impressive. The part where it kind of falls off was, you know, reps two, three, four, five. Right, everyone yes. kind of caught up, but like such a such a genetic freak, he you was, know. At, yeah. at, and and he just, you know, he could put it together in such a short period of time. What do you make of the Eric Carlson trade? Whew. I mean, wh- where do you want to start? Like, we can start with Pittsburgh. 
For Pittsburgh, it makes sense for a number of reasons. First of all, he's in the age demographic that all those core players are. And I just think that it works better when everyone's kind of in the same boat. Like if you have an aging core and then some young guys coming up, I found the room like in, in, with teams like that to be a little segregated. And, and I think like I kind of experienced that a little bit in Vancouver where like there were some old guys, there were some young guys. And, you know, sometimes the conversation, not from the players, because players don't really talk this way, but some of the, con- oh, you know, the young guys need to do better or the old guys need to do this. It's like, it's a team, it's a cohesive team. So I like the fact that they're all kind of the, the same age. Um, the other thing, it, it kind of alleviates a little bit of what Chris Letang needs to do. Like Carlson will be on the first unit power play. He should be playing, you know, 22 to 25 minutes a night. Like it probably slots Chris Letang at 36 years old, who's still a hell of a defenseman, slots him pretty well. Um, but you know, in a weird way, they're going to get thinner Pittsburgh because they're not going to have Petrie and, and Ruda, which is fine. They don't need those guys. They just got Eric Carlson, but they're going to need to be healthy now because they're going to run a top four of Carlson and Graves and Latang and Marcus Pedersen. Then it's going to fall off pretty quick after that. So they're going to be a little thinner back there, but listen, everyone kind of knows where the Pittsburgh Penguins are at. It's like a two-year window here where they might be able to get in the playoffs and win a round. I think that would be a win for them at this point. I don't think they're competing for a Stanley Cup. Uh, That could change. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. But, you know, after that two years, then it becomes the the fire sale, right, To, to sell off all your assets for whatever you possibly can. And it will be the first time Kyle Dubas will have, you know, somewhat of a blank canvas to build a team from the ground up. But now we're talking, you know, two years away from being two years away from that. So, um, and then for San Jose, basically all they could get was cap space, right? Like it just goes to show you how valuable, how important cap space is in this league. Let me ask you something before the trade deadline or sorry, not before the trade deadline, before the first lockout, if you told a GM around the league, Hey, at some point in this league, you're going to have to trade a pretty good player who makes a lot of money because, you know, there's a salary cap and you're going to be up against it. And you might even have to throw in a sweetener and you're not going to get much in return. What do you think they would say to you? It, it has entirely changed. The whole mm-hmm. game has entirely changed. And people who can answer that question are the people who need to be running NHL teams these days. Because right. you're quite right. It, it was easy in the past, Frank. It was just Hockey value for hockey value. You did not have to consider contract value, and that's no. made the, the entire difference. Yeah, so listen, San Jose values cap space over futures, and honestly, I don't blame them. I don't blame them because you can get you know more picks. You can get some minor league players. Eventually, you're going to need to shape a roster, and you need cap space to do so. And I think Montreal does a nice job of getting – You know, everyone forgets about Montreal in this deal. They got rid of Hoffman in the deal, which is a contract they, they wanted to move off from. They got rid of Rem Pitlick, who's a, another guy who makes just over a million dollars. They wanted, and they didn't have to retain any money. So in a way, like every team kind of gets something that they're looking for in this deal. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. It, it really is crazy. Imagine you're the casual fan in the States and you have a good player on your team and you don't follow everything super closely. And there, someone goes to you, oh yeah, we just traded so-and-so. He's a good player. Like, oh, we must have got a great return back nope. for him. He's like, yep. no, we got nothing back. Did, did, really? Well, and, and yeah, 
And not only did we get nothing back, we actually had to give another piece to get rid of that good player that you like. Well, Montreal's cap hit goes up with all this, guys. Well, uh, and do they get substantially better? Petrie's something, but is is it no? But for San Jose and for Montreal, you're going to move Petrie. You're going to move Hoffman. You're going to move Grandland yeah. at some point. So you're also going to get the return on these older expiring guys who don't fit For your San Jose, up. yes. I don't know what you're getting for Petrie. But no, yeah. uh, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. they may if not Petrie get has a good If Petrie has a good start to the season, if I'm Montreal, I would be keen on keeping Petrie, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. to start the season and move him at the deadline. Because, I don't know, Like if you look at that back end, the only veteran guys are Matheson and Savard. Uh, Savard had been hurt a lot last year. Like, I don't know. You could kind of use a little more on the back end just to keep yourself in some more games. And then, you know, you move on from Petrie closer to the deadline and then you get more young guys in. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, a couple of things there. Like, number one, he's a right shot defenseman, Frank, as you know. Has one year left. Has one year left. And at four or six uh, and change, you know, the. He's a tough ad for some this year. I like Frankie's idea at the trade deadline. I think he's more he's more attractive to some teams, particularly contending clubs. But the other thing you have to worry about is, is he blocking any of your young defensemen there that you want to give ice time to, whether that's Gooley, whether that's Barron, whether that's Harris, or whether that's some of the yeah. kids who are still coming up. So, you know, that's the calculation that they're, that they're going to have to make. But, you know... Hey, it's pretty it's, good work. It's good as a consideration. Broker. It's mm. good consideration, right? Because last year they would have four rookie D men at one at any given time. At one point they had five rookie D men. That's a lot. Like, and and I thought those kids handled it really well. They were all very mature about it. Yep. But it's difficult for sure. Marvelous stuff, Frank. Uh, thank you for this. We will catch up next Wednesday. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Carson Price from Wall Center and a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. Hashtags is the best and worst of still Twitter. I'm still calling it Twitter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, you let me know when you're ready to uh, make the transition to Well, X. let me just see here. Yeah, when you press uh, retweet, it still says retweet and quote tweet on the yeah. uh, desktop version. So It's still Twitter.com, isn't it? It is still Twitter.com, okay, well, too. Yeah. You're Twitter.com, Elon. Yeah. Until you're, you're changing that up, bud. <laughs> Follow us on X. <laughs> well, if we if it does fully change, mm-hmm. we can no longer use the tweet sound effect. So, like, what, what's the, what, what sound is, what does an X say, if you will? Yeah. Um, we need DMX yelling X. Like the family feud buzzer sound of X. <laughs> well, I have a friend, and shout out Tom, who texted me one morning. Matt, what's that annoying whistle that plays in your show in one part? And I was like, whistle. I was like, oh, you mean the bird tweet? He goes, yeah, whatever it is, get rid of it. <laughs> Tom, sorry, man. <laughs> it's staying. Now it's a point of uh, contention. Uh, from the... I'm going to play more of them now. <laughs> okay, do you want to know how old we are, Grady? When we started the segment. And I believe it was a day one Sakaris and Price segment. So this is November 2011. I believe the intro included Rockin' Robin. Yeah. You remember that, Blake? Yeah, exactly. Tweet, 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 tweet. That was the fine production of one Trevor Martin's going, you know what? Rockin' Robin for the little birdie app segment. It was perfect. It was a great intro.
Really? Yeah, I love okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Makes one. Hashtags is now brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. And when you contact Jason Hominick, you actually contact Jason himself personally. There's no middleman, staffer taking your calls, responding to emails. It's Jason with the best advice on mortgages. Get that personal touch you get with him and not the banks. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. Um, there's been a lot going on on whatever this website's called over the last <laughs> little bit, um, including some reaction to a very vilified slash adored website known as Barstool Sports. Uh, divisive because it's largely misogynistic and, well, just generally offensive. Um, but those that love it, love it a lot. Uh, and it was sold to investors from the Penn Group, which is a gambling group, back in 2020. Well, it was just given back to its creator, Dave Portnoy, for zero dollars. It's a good business deal. <laughs> 500 Sell mil. it for a half bill, reacquire it for nada. But what does that say about said company? If it was once worth 500 mil and is now worth nada. Now, there's more to it than this. I, I think he would argue it's not worth nada, that right. there were exceptional circumstances here. But the deal does contain some clauses. Uh, Barstool has a non-compete with Penn, so uh, no money coming in from the best kind of clients, gambling clients and that sort of thing. Barstool cannot launch its own sports book. They can't create gambling. Um, and if they ever do sell it, mm-hmm. this is all at Adam Rye underscore N Can they to take- reporting. Uh, if they ever do sell, Penn gets 50% of the proceeds. So can they take on sports gaming sponsors? It doesn't sound like it. No, you can't You can't have wow. anything on the site that competes with what okay. Penn does. So as, as Adam says, so basically if there's ever a reason to sell Barstool Sports, Penn would get 50%, which is a pretty large number. <laughs> and yet... A lot of its audience is rejoicing at this news because it's coming home. It's no longer corporate. His next thread, Barstool is back in his control. No one can tell him what he can or can't say to him, I'm sure. Yes. That's priceless. And I did remember watching a video a Portnoy did after they had to release one of their hosts for saying something. And he explained that, look, Penn is worried about regulation. Penn is worried about the man. Well, they're worried about you know the government coming down and saying like, look, this is what's going on within your empire. No, we're not granting you a license for sports gaming. So right, yeah, yeah. At offside DH, Edmonton Elks fan ejected from stadium for donning paper bag. Cameron Jones says he was holding a paper bag in his hands when he was told he had to leave Commonwealth Stadium. Prior to being informed he was being kicked out, he and some co-workers had placed paper bags over their heads while in their seats. Long-honored tradition in sports for terrible teams, right? You put the paper bag on your head as a form of protest or demonstration that your team is terrible, you're ashamed to be there, and to pick it up. Stadium policy at Commonwealth does not allow face coverings in the concourse, which is interesting because some people continue to wear masks in groups. Right. So I see that a lot. Yeah. So that in and of itself is interesting at, Commons, at Commonwealth. Apparently, security told Jones, and this is Jones quoting, 
if we don't like your white shoes or the way you're dressed, the premises has the ability to kick you out for no reason. We shall see how officious security and the Elks are tomorrow when on a 21 home game losing streak, the Elks host the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right now, the top team in the West. That's a pretty broad, vague, cut-of-your-jib kind of rule. I, I just, <laughs> I've never seen it spelled out like so, that. So, look, th- there's always the possibility this is an over overly officious individual. Yes. But if you're the Elks, the last thing you want to do is draw attention. Can't afford this. To the fact no. that people are wearing paper bags. Yes. Ignore it. Yeah. They will go away when you win a home football game. Here's the thing. Uh, I've noticed, and with humanity, if you poke at something and say you can't do that, guess what? Yeah. That party then thinks, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it more. Yeah, I know. We just saw it, Grady, with the damn tweets. Now, Grady heard that Tom hated the tweets. Mm-hmm. Grady's immediate reaction is, I'm going to do it more. Yeah. Trolling. So Trolling as a lifestyle, Grady. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> That's what Blake is explaining. So... What do you professional bet? trolls? What do you bet? There's a million bags in the. Uh, well, I in the crowd. I would hope so. Yeah. At Carol Wozniacki, three years, eight months, two kids later, we are back, baby. Feels good to get the W today. Uh, Caroline Wozniacki playing in Canada, for the, well, playing tennis, but in Canada for the first time in 1,292 days. Wow. And got the win. So you think Milos Raonic's comeback was impressive? Mm. Caroline Wozniacki says, I put my body through yep. a ton and <laughs> I've stayed away a year longer and I'm able to get a win. So a couple of great stories. She came out to Sweet Caroline. So people really oh, embraced good. her. How old uh, now? Gosh, I don't know. She'd be early 30s, I want to think. Yeah, sometimes these tennis players are younger than you think. No, totally. They start so early. Because they start at 16. No, she's 33. So she, <laughs> she, I mean, if she had never played again, retired at the age of 30 for for women who want to start families, not crazy. A lot of, a lot of women choose to do that. But here she is back at it at 33. At FOS, front office sports. <whistles> Thank you, Grady. The Jags, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars knew $120 million HQ has urinals that measure players' hydration levels. It, uh, we have described the uh, the posters at Lions Camp. This goes one further. Yes. Yeah, this is electronic. Yeah, no need to pay attention. No need to read while you're taking a leak. Green light, you're good. Yeah, red light, go get your some water, some Gatorade. Yeah. For years at Lions Camp, there were posters above the urinals. With a color range, remember this in the They're, cafeteria. Yeah, we just, we described it in the past. Yeah, the yes. uh, the yellow rainbow, if you will. Yes. Yeah. From that deep, like mustard yellow, all the way to uh, like, well, basically light, clear. Very helpful. I used to have hockey coaches yell at us to make sure our piss was clear. <laughs> and I'll say this, you know, as Blake and I uh, spent our week in Kamloops. Between the golf courses and 40-degree heat, the the on-the-rocks bar for dinner and festivities. I've never looked at my pee more. (laughs) It was very, very helpful. (laughs) 
Uh, for the second day in a row, the Orioles are making news. At Ken underscore Rosenthal, yesterday the stupid story about their broadcaster uh, being put on suspension because he had the gall to point out they weren't that good versus Tampa uh, up until recently. I kept waiting for the offensive remark yeah, there. It never and happened. And then the video ended, and I was like, what, what did I miss? I had to listen to it a second time and went, did they really just can him for pointing out the facts that they had lost 50 in the last 16 series against Tampa? And, and then missed the part where he goes, but they're not bad anymore, and explain how good they were. Anyway, that was yesterday's news. Today's, why the Orioles haven't signed a new lease at Camden Yards? There's months to go on their lease. They don't Camden own Yards. the ballpark? Wow. I'm so, uh, they're holding Peter Angelos. Oh, yeah. Uh, who has been incapacitated by illness since 2018. I was going to say his son's from the team. John Angelos, mm-hmm. now the managing chairman, um, dealing with heavy criticism um, because of the Kevin Brown incident, the broadcaster, and now months to go, but they're still promising they'll have a resolution yeah. by year's end. Well, I, I, Most I, would, I would think so. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, one of the grand ballparks now of baseball that's held up pretty well, remember? Yeah, I, the first one. The Jays built Skydome, and then Baltimore came right back and built Camden Yards, and people were like, look at how charming Camden Yards is. This is the time capsule. And and, and Skydome was almost out of date. In their bathrobe, walking their dog right now. we see a lot of things here on Hornby. (laughs) Near the corner of Nelson or This morning was eventful. It was very eventful. We saw fights. We We saw saw a fight. Car driving driving down the wrong way of a one-way street and everybody laying on the horns. (laughs) Thank you, Hornby. Hey, somebody in a bathrobe. Yeah. And lastly, from no, but here's the other thing: when you do stupid shit, like suspending your play-by-play man for pointing out the lopsidedness of pointing out history, yes. yeah, mm. facts, that gets, objective facts that gets other people looking at you and your operation, going, "What other stupid shit are they?" Yeah, totally. like if they're that stupid on this file, mm-hmm. you know. What else is infected by this stupidity? Yeah. And the Orioles fans last night broke out in a free Kevin Brown. Did chant. they really? Yeah, good, good for, good for the Orioles. Came on the broadcast. And no, it was it just, is, I mean, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, just following up on a story from a few weeks ago at Craig Shawvick, proud papa here. First official hit and his first official at bat versus the Yankees rookie team today. Line drive up the middle. Congrats, Sammy. This is Sam Shaw, the Blue Jays draft pick from Lambrick in. Uh, Lambrick on in Victoria, mm-hmm. also a Premier League player, and he's up to three hits and nine at bats at the uh, Florida Complex League. Freeze it right there, down there, three thirty three hitter. <laughs> huh? Like, as mentioned, when we had him on the show after he was drafted, don't think you'll see him with the C's this year, but I suspect you will see him with the C's here soon. And that's hashtags for today. <laughs> Joined now by the two-time skipper of Canada's team, two-time World Series champions. It's our pleasure to welcome John Gibbons to Sakarison Price. Gibby, how you doing? Welcome back to Vancouver. Oh, boys, you know, hey, hey, th- thanks for having me on. You know, I was last time I was here, I was here, believe it or not, 1988 in the Pacific Coast League. I was in Albuquerque with the Dukes, the Dodgers AAA. We, we came through here, and I love the place, beautiful place. The ball didn't go anywhere. You couldn't hit a home run here, but but it was just there was just something about it was nice about this place. But I, you know, so a chance to come back. It's it's been pretty cool. 
Andy Dunn's fixed that part, by the way. There are home runs that exist now in that stadium. Yeah, so he, yeah, he told he told me that that was smart. We knew that's why he got the Giants. That's smart guy. Yeah. Yeah, hey, we know you're a rock star in Seattle. Are you a rock star in Vancouver yet? Have you been able to tell? Me? <laughs> I don't do I want do I want to be a rock star in Seattle for crying out loud when I <laughs> Well, it's every, famous for every, rock stars. So. Every, every time the Blue Jays went through there, I can remember fans yeah. on the top of the dugout hoping to see Gibby, hoping to get an autographed picture. You know, it was incredible what happened down there, you know. And, and uh, it was it was, it, it was like a home game, you know. And then you, you see everybody be walking around town, they go to the park, and it was like – it was and it was so it's so cool for everybody out west here could get a chance to go, you know, go, go see their team and, and – uh, you know, I miss that. You know, I'm sure it's, I, I think it's still like that. You know, um, but it was. Uh, I don't think you're not going to find that anywhere else in, in in Major League Baseball. You know, you're, you're really not. Rock star, I'm not no, sure, here, man. But <laughs> maybe maybe a, a circus animal, but not a rock star. Yeah. Go ahead, Blake. I was gonna, I was going to say there's uh, there's really I can only think of one team that that travels. Like the Jays, it would be the Yankees. Obviously, the Yankees travel well no matter where they go. But not many teams have a secondary, you know, uh, market to go into. And uh, you know, the the Jays sort of get that uh, no matter where they go. And and uh, Canadian fans seem to follow them around. I'm sure you got a kick out of that when you on your first couple go arounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, they show up everywhere. You know, and it's 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 really a. You know, a big part of it, obviously, when the team started playing better, you know, everybody, everybody wants to see him. But even, even before that, you know, I mean, you got some loyal fans, you know, and and, uh, and it had been so long since you had a winning team that is like, finally, you know, you, you you have one, and now now everything just explodes, you know, now everywhere you go, and uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I miss so much about those things, and in in the. In, in the the fans were tremendous, you know. People were so good to me, you know. Uh, and and uh, so the, every chance I get to come back, you know, I've been to a few different, uh, few, few stops out here out west. It's ground the prairies and, and things like that. And I'm going to Toronto next week. Batista's going into the, you know, the uh, was it Wall of Honor? What is? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, I know what they, yeah. is that word is, but anyway, the, the title of that place. But yeah, so it, it that'll be fine. It'll be the first time I'll be back in Toronto since uh, you know I left in '18. Well, Wall let me of ask you this: I better get that. Is it Wall of Excellence? That sounds better. That sounds yes. better. Level, right. of, level, yes. of level of excellence. Level of excellence. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. up there in the upper deck. I was going to ask you, John, because you were the skipper during some tough times, and there was two decades there where there was no playoffs, and then you were the skipper when they got back to the playoffs, and it seemed like Toronto got switched on baseball again, and really that is maintained through here to present day. What was that like for you? Well, you know what, I'd always heard, you know, when I started out there as a coach before I became a manager, so I was there probably 15 years, right? And I, you'd hear every year, you know, if the, if the team's legit, you know, or, or they're in it late, you know, you roll around to September, watch what happens, right? But you know what, we'd always fall out in June, so we never got to see it happen. And sure enough, in 2015, you know, we just kind of, I mean, we were, we were a good team, but we had some big holes, you know, we needed a new shortstop, Reyes was just getting old. We needed to shore up some defensive, you know, left field. Uh, and then we needed another starter pitcher. So Anthopolis went out. You know, of course, you know the story. Tulowitzki, Price, Ben Revere out there. And it just changed like that, right? Now, because you, you're never going to win with that defense, right? So that that's what the big difference for us was. But then it wasn't like a gradual thing. Okay, everybody gets excited. But it was like, boom, a light switch. 
and then everything that everybody had always told me happened, you know, and, and it's like, damn, people, you know, every night was a sellout, um, and everywhere we went, and it was, uh, so my biggest regret is we didn't win it that year, we, that, that's the year we should have won it, 16 would have been, you know, that would have been nice, but we had the team to do in 15, but it was amazing, you really can't, I can't describe how, you know, being a, what being a part of that was like, you know, and then we, some, I mean, it was obvious in some of the playoff games, the you know how, how the uh, the enthusiasm in that place and the, the dome is rocking and and, uh, and it's it just goes to show you you know if you, you got you got a whole country uh, you know following one team mm-hmm. my God spend some money and, and put together a winner man and, and you know you can't go wrong you know and, and uh, yeah they got a, they got a good team now um, but it's almost like they should never go through a drought you know you know like in just like the Yankees and the Red Sox or, or whoever Dodgers. Because there's there's too much of a following, there's too much money to be you know to 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 equip your team. So, but it's uh, there's nothing Plus, like it. How did you deal with the attitude? Because they had the swagger, this attitude that um, for that team seemed like it worked well. The current team gets a little bit critique because they seem to be having too much fun in the eyes of, of fans. People want them to get down to business, just win some games, then you can have fun. Um, how did you walk the fine line of managing that? Because you, you want them to have some confidence. You want the, them to have some swagger. You don't want the, it to distract from the, the task at hand. So did you manage any of that, or did they arrive into that into that proper slot on their own? Are you talking about, like, the hockey mentality, man? You guys quit dancing around on the field and hugging everybody on there? That's what, yeah, 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 there's a little bit of that. A little yeah, bit of that. Yeah. Bit of that. Yeah, you, know, yeah. you know what? Uh, well, that, that team back then, the personality – you know, I don't know. I know some of the guys on the team now, but the personality was so different. You know, we had to, we had to, we had a, a handful of guys that weren't liked very well in the you know the league. You know, of course you go with you know Batista and Donaldson right up there at the top, right? And uh, Strowman was another one, and and so, you know, the, the guys were out to get those guys anyway. You know, and the, these guys were all emotional guys, so you had to put out fires, whether it's with the umpires or some other other team. So that was kind of the identity of the team because those were our big players. Um, and my job was just to hold it together, right? You know, you got to pin their ears back every now and then. But they're in the show. You know, this this is kind of what made them. That's what made them tick too. That's why they were so good. So you can't just pull the reins in too much, right? Let, let them do their things. And the fans loved it. Fans love personality. They, they don't want to come see some, you know, some dud out there. Even I don't care how good he is, you know. And, and uh, but you know, I look at this team now. And they have a lot of great players, but it's almost uh, it's more of like a happy-go-lucky group. But that's you know that fits the personality I, I guess. But uh, bottom line is win something. You know, he finally got back in fifteen and sixteen. You know they've been back the last couple of years. So you know, now it's, you start getting used to that. Now it's time to win it all again, like they did in ninety two and ninety three. You know, so you mentioned Bautista and the level of accidents, uh, excellence, Gibby. Um, did you see the famous? Bat flip as it happened, were your eyes fixed on Jose when he flipped the bat, and what did you think of it? No, I no, I miss that thing. You know, I've seen it. I don't know how many times since, but I, because you know, when he hit hit it, I'm tracking the ball. You know, can just go 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 one of those kind of things, right? And then he, then he flips it, and uh, so I I, I got to admit, I, I didn't see it. You know, uh, and it's crazy. Remember the uproar of it? You know, you know the you know the, the, we offended the uh, Rangers or whoever. Now, now you offended we, everybody. Yeah. Yes, yeah, and, yeah, now, and yeah. That was twenty two years, twenty three years of frustration for a country, all wrapped up in one thing. I thought it was it was tremendous, right? And but now everybody flips. And Josh Shohei Otani throws it down the right field line. It almost yeah. hits the foul pole. Everybody's now with his doing. Flip. Everybody's like, doing. Oh it yeah, now. and nobody celebrated more than home runs more than the Texas Rangers did anyway. You know so. 
But it was, it, it, you know, that's one of those things that's going to go down in history. And, you know, I was talking to Jose yesterday, and I don't, I think, I don't care if any, who, are, who else, if anybody else had hit that home run, right, it wouldn't have, and flipped the bat, it wouldn't have the same effect to me. It was just something about, you know, you know, Jose, Jose was a villain in the league, but he was the face of the franchise. He had big years through all the lean years. And there's just something about his crusty personality that him doing it would have been, even if Donaldson did it, if Joe Carter had done the same thing, I don't think it would have been the, had the same effect. What do you make of this year's team, John? I like it. I like it. They got the best pitch in the league, I think, you know, with the rotation. Uh, and, of course, Berrios and Kikuchi stepped up because they were question marks. And then their bullpen is really, really good. So, you know, it's it's they're in a, they're in a good spot right now. You know, Tampa Bay got off to a great start, so it kind of you know they kind of pulled away from everybody. Where you take that away, and it might be even closer right now. You know, Baltimore's giving them a tough time. All you got to do is get in, though. Now, right? You know, it'd be ideal if you win the division, but just mm-hmm. just get in and see what happens because they have too much pitching. We know John Schneider is the former skipper of the Vancouver Canadians, so it's been delightful watching him rise up through the ranks. What do you make of the job he's done? And, John, how much of managing has changed now? Like, how much of it now is people management and how little of it is the strategic decisions that now seem to come from on high? Well, you know what? I, I think it used to be more people management and, and and strategic, right? You had to, you know, you were calling the shots. Now, now it uh, really, they're calling the shots for you up top. That's my understanding anyway. Maybe each team's a little bit different, but that's kind of – you're not going to get a big league managing job now if you're not going to – won't take your marching orders from the, the top. That's just a fact, like it or not, right? And then – so a lot of the, the strategy, let's say, is, is taken out of your hands. And, uh, and, you know, the players know it too, right? So I don't even know if you need to manage players as much as well because they think, well, these guys aren't – you know, they're not, they have very little say in it. And I don't be, mean to be negative by that, but that's just kind of the nature of the business now, you know? Um but in, in we're talking about personalities. If you if you got fifteen, I mean that group wasn't an easy group to manage because you know you got big personalities and they're and they're fighting with each other and they're you know they're uh, some huge egos and they're emotional, right? And uh, so the manager's job is to, is just to hold them together, man. Make hey, hey, let's not step out of line, that kind of thing. So it wasn't an easy group, but it was a fun group to do, right? Um, but. Mm-hmm. Hey, bottom line is winning. It doesn't matter what you, you, you they hire you to get the most out of what you got. Well, what was the biggest dust up? How many guys in the room were were, were going at each other? Uh, you had to split it all up. Do you remember like a true ballroom brawl in the dugout? Well, I, I, Not I, the dugout, I, I in the couple. My first go around there with these other guys. You know, there were some things that happened on the bench. You know, got, we got a little bit heated like that. I was, I was watching Snyder and and uh, and uh, the other day with uh, Chapman, right? I'm going to get him, Johnny. Johnny, get him. Get him. Come on, man. Let's go. <laughs> i for crying out loud. Uh, but you hey, know, uh, but he, most of them were behind closed doors, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last question here, Gibby, uh, in part because you're in Andy Dunn's office, so I'm going to ask this. But what do you make of the Vancouver Canadiens and that Bailey Stadium and the job that this affiliate has done for the Toronto Blue Jays, not just in terms of producing players and you managed a bunch of them including Pilar but for being a Canadian flagship for the franchise on the other side of the country well yeah I mean you need that you know there, there's a uh, and they've been very successful here and like you said the, the, the big thing is you know you get you're running the players through and the, you know players you know they like they love playing here and they advance and they get to the top but it's a uh, you know they, they represent Canada 
really on the West Coast, right? This is your this is your West Coast version of, of the Blue Jays, and um, you know, of course, I Andy, you know, I didn't I I go I've known Andy from somewhere, but we had lunch today. But you get to, he's been around the game. He knows the game, uh, the insides out stuff, and he's he's a real pro, you know, along with and his, with Walter too. So, um, but it's you, you need that out here, to, you know. To hey, fa- hey, well, we may not be able to see the big league team in person for a while till they go to Seattle or wherever. But you know what? We can go see the future right here, and, and, and there's been a lot of good ones come through. Uh, including you today, sir. Thank uh-huh. you for the visit. Thank you for the time here today. We hope you have a wonderful day and trip here to vancouver and we look forward to catching appreciate up appreciate that man you guys check out my shirt by the way man i can i can ham it up with the yeah. belt of them <laughs> i got that uh bright red marijuana leaf <laughs> hey we'll, we'll see you in the parking lot outside the third yeah, base line exactly. tonight, right? Give right me- <laughs> thank you Take care of some price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Here are some omissions from yesterday's program and beyond. Mm -hmm. I have a couple on my list. Uh, We'll start with last week when there was a mosquito buzzing around the microphone the second we started recording it was the damnedest thing i think the red tally light pulled it out from wherever it was here in the go-go sports studio but randy Ewell, our buddy from the town of oliver aaron sakaris stating that a male mosquito would bite him i was calling the mosquito a he hmm only the it's only the females that bite. Mm. Males just hang around waiting to mate. Jeez. Lazy sons of bitches, honestly. When you look at the animal world, yeah, the men are how generally many lazy. male species <laughs> yes. just lays about? Yeah. yeah. Don't get actively involved in either finding food, shelter, or rearing yeah. offspring? I think it explains a little bit about male homo sapiens <laughs> perhaps we, we come by it honestly perhaps also grady what was going on with the video yesterday with jpat you didn't have him lit up didn't well, have a screen lit his up his face was lit up but the 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 fancy leds and the screens here God, not lit up i go away for one day grady. i know me too blake's not in the studio to manage that yeah oh. i worry about the control room and oh uh, yeah. oh so you just don't Blake. give a shit about what's on you the other side of the you door you can't figure out how to turn the tvs on and off so i know how to turn the tvs on well after blake helps we'll, you we'll put it in the job description <laughs> we'll rewrite the job description uh, you said uh, dolly walls on here a couple yeah, of blakey well, going too yeah oh yeah. boy speaking of backdrops uh if you watched his hit on YouTube or saw some of the social clips we put out, you'll notice that there's a photo in the background that's just a little off center. So, yeah, a lot of people on YouTube calling him out. Uh, and he, he said he had a, a shaker. He said he he had a night the night before. Yeah. Party so, had dollies? Well, I don't know if it was at dollies, but the, the picture is an indicator that it uh, very well might have been. Too much gotcha. crown. You you know your depth perceptions off. You stumble into the wall. Did he did he rip me at all for yes. not being here oh, yeah, and yeah, playing yeah. too much golf? And yeah, 
Yeah. About how you're standard fare. Rushing the Canucks to get a Pedersen extension. Oh, right, 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 right. He's still bruised on that one. Yeah. Another another one on him, too. He called uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois just Luke. Luke Dubois. I think he thinks it's it's Pierre-Luc slash Dubois (laughs) rather than Pierre slash Luke Dubois. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, mine was uh, in discussion about Roger Sloan's big win on the Corn Ferry tour. Um, Merits Roger Sloan. Merits Roger Sloan. 180 grand in a $1 million purse. We covered that. And I suggested that's pretty big for a Corn Ferry tour. I said that might even be akin to what Mike Weir won for winning a PGA tour uh, out of Northview back, uh, back in the day. Uh, I was right for a long, well, not a long time. For several years, the Greater Vancouver Opens purse was a million bucks, 180 to the winner, which is what Sloan got. Um, but then, in I think '99, things started to accelerate to the point that, gosh, I wonder what happened. <laughs> yeah, '99, you say. Huh? So that in 2002, the purse was 3.5. The winner got 6.30. Imagine if you won three years previous, no, you got a buck eighty. The winner three years later gets 6.30. 630. So that's what we were going. No, we were at 4.50. We were as a one. Or no, he was 99. Okay. He got 450 in 99. So he was in the transition. Yes. yes. The escalation. Yeah, that Tiger Woods fellow, he, uh, and honestly, I still think you can argue that it, his greatest influence was on PGA purses. Yeah. Because yeah. they rocketed and they pretty much, well, until recently, and Jay Monahan having to refashion everything because of Liv. I was I was I'm reading from a uh, a Globe and Mail article written by Lauren Rubenstein. Oh, Lauren. the icon! Of it's Canadian time golf. PGA Tour reigned in the big purses. Lauren didn't like where it was going. Uh, yeah, boy, I wonder what Lauren feels about it now. Yeah, Let's get him on. All right, is that it? That's it. Finally, Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like? What you got? Uh, Spain versus the Netherlands in the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup, and uh, I'm going to go for a, a little bit of a of a prop. Mm. They call it a prop. Spain in extra time oh. plus eight hundred. Who's the favorite here? Uh, the favorite is Spain, okay. but it's pretty narrow. Yeah. I mean, they're only minus 105. Netherlands, it's, it's funny. I think they're calling for a draw, really, is what they're calling for after 90 minutes. because um, Netherlands has played well. I've seen a couple of their yeah. matches. I mean, their match against the U.S. was... To me, they're kind of like Canada. They're always there and around, but I don't know mm-hmm. if they're ever going to win. Well, although this is the one where it's all open now. Yeah, I mean, we're marching towards an England-France semifinal if France can get through the host uh, Matildas. Mm-hmm. And it could very well be uh, Sweden-Spain, Sweden-Netherlands. Or, uh, Japan's the favorite there, it should be said, though. So, An opportunity to win a World Cup here that I think probably wouldn't have existed if the USA was on top of its game yeah. on yeah. your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to... Subscribe to us and Rankwide wherever you get your podcasts, and then follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.